I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Now the horn, it is a 512 Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie. That's when Patrick plays jams from very talented human beings uh, that you have a chance to hear live right here in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is Curtis Lee, and he's playing Saturday night at Hotel Vegas. And you can see him on the new season of 512 Studios Live, 9.30 p.m. Saturday night on the CW Austin. Ooh, big time. I like that. Nice. Uh, my man Patrick always keeping you in the know. You can sound really cool in front of all your friends, like you know all the really cool artists in town and where they're going to play. And then you actually can take you know, take your lady or your, your man, all right, whoever you want to take on a date uh, to some of these really cool spots. So uh, go check out uh, hornfm.com if you miss any of these suggestions for 512 Friday. My man Patrick always gets them posted up there for you. You can go check that out as well. All right. Uh, you can hit us up on the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. That's the number to the Specs text line. Hard, she said, hardball, hard, you need to verse. Patrick. Davis at Dispatcher Davis. I'm at Rod Babers in the Twitterverse. We're off early at 6.15 for Texas baseball, uh, but in the meantime, uh, we'll get into the NBA here and review the uh, playoffs last night. The Nuggets with a big win uh, to take a 2-0 series lead on the Lakers, and then we'll preview the game tonight coming up between the Celtics and the Miami Heat. Hemi, uh, Jimmy Bucket. Playoff Jimmy uh, looking to show up once again. They already stole one on the road. Uh, usually these games, if I had to put any money on it, I'd put a money on the Celtics. Celtics, but ah, the Celtics, like I said, they, they play with their food too much. But game twos, when a team loses game, when a home team loses game one, I believe that game two, most of the time, they end up winning. And the, the margin of victory, actually, is really what kind of stands out. The last 16 game twos, when a road team won game one, um, have been won by the home team. Average margin of victory, 17 points. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So usually it's a very lopsided win by that home team because they're desperate. You you lose two home games, then you got to go on the road, yeah. all right, to play a team when they're up 2-0. Bill, that is talk about uh, a Herculean task ahead of you. So I think the desperation and the uh, the really the urgency will be on the side of the Celtics. All right, we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about that coming up here uh, later on. But I want to get into this uh, the Jim Brown passing a little bit too before we start talking about the Nuggets with the two zero series lead on the Lakers. Uh, Jim Brown did pass away uh, today. The great Jim Brown. Um, he was uh, eighty seven years old, mm-hmm. I believe. And we were just talking about how you know Jim Brown was from a whole another era of football, but still considered one of the goats of football, and one of the first athletes you know 
that I can think of, uh, just researching obviously before my time, that left their sport early at you know at their relative peak or at least close to their peak. Yeah. That now it happens actually, you know, a lot more. Barry Sanders. Yeah, Barry Sanders did. Patrick Calvin Willis Johnson. did it. Yeah, Calvin exactly. Johnson. Yeah. All Detroit players. <laughs> Finding yes. a way to leave early. That's you a good point about that too. Uh, yeah, that may be a common denominator. But yeah, you see it a lot more now than you did back then. Uh, and back then, uh, you know, he was in his prime and decided that he wanted to leave the leave the game of football. And not only left the game of football to re- to retire from it, but pursued a career intentionally, deliberately in Hollywood. Want to become an actor. Yeah. Want to cross over into acting. And although there have been players that have done it before, we got a spec text line. We got a lot of people talking about the uh, different players who decided uh, to pursue acting, who were former professional athletes. And I know there was some out there, uh, but for Jim Brown, for him to leave the sport right at, at the at the point where he was considered one of the best players, if not mm-hmm. the best player in the sport, uh, and then leave to pursue acting, I don't know if we've seen that happen. I know that people, and, and by the way, he was, I don't want to say prolific, but he probably has 40, 50 films yeah. um, on his resume. He's done a really uh, good, he did a really good job in yeah. life. It's hard, it's hard to find a lot. After you walk of, away yeah, from it. Hard to find a lot of actors who have more, a lot of actors who made that type of transition from professional sports to acting who have more uh, credits on their IMDb or on their uh, filmography. Because I think he's, I, haven't, I didn't count it, but I think he's like at 40 or 50 or something like that, so... It's you know like I said he is he he has he has such an impact and his legacy left such an impact in a lot of different realms the Hollywood realm pro sports where he was considered a goat hell some people even bring up his lacrosse yep where the lacrosse community I know we you know we we don't talk a lot about lacrosse on the show but the lacrosse community considers him to be a Mount Rushmore figure like a goat yeah among the lacrosse community I don't like I, said, I don't know a ton about lacrosse but to be a goat in multiple sports. That alone sets you apart and makes you um, an icon. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, and we can also put he was a major civil rights activist as well. Yep. I mean, you got to think this guy played 1957 and 1965. The Civil Rights Act of 1964 is what's credited of ending segregation. Yeah, so exactly. most of his career, he was spent in segregation. And, uh, yeah. and to be able to do that, be known as the best player in the game, where a lot of people didn't like you. And then having to fight through that, going into acting, being an advocate for a lot of things throughout the rest of his life, is yet another category that he was very influential in throughout his years. And and he made a movie with Raquel Welch. Don't forget about that. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? All them great things that he did. Raquel Welch. But he was definitely one of those guys that he pushed the envelope early in his career, uh, made a huge change to Rod's point about I'm going to go ahead and give up my football career, get into the acting, and I'm going to be a major part of it. As you said, Patrick, walking in the rights, in the civil rights with Martin Luther King, Mm -hmm. also being there for Muhammad Ali when he was going through his time. Mm -hmm. He was with uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when he was going from Lou Alcindor. He got a chance to be around all Mm -hmm. of that and continue to be the voice to a lot of strong black men where – a lot of people didn't want to talk about it. A lot of people didn't want to be involved. Jim Brown stood there and to about, about being that activist and being out there and trying to make sure that you're moving things in the right mm-hmm. direction is something that a lot of people, and I know 
my grandfather was a huge, huge fan of Jim Brown and was always talking about it and, and what he meant to a lot of people. Was in a war movie, The Dirty Dozens. Yeah. Remember that in the mm-hmm. very beginning where mm-hmm. it was like, man, he was in the mix with everything. Yeah, no, you're right. It, it's like I said, he was a very uh, multifaceted human being, uh, and, and I'm glad Patrick brought up the civil rights mm-hmm. uh, element to his legacy too. Uh, that's probably we don't talk enough about that in that time. But you go look at a lot of the civil rights activists of the time, and there is an, an interaction uh, on the periphery, if you will, if not directly involved with Jim Brown because right. he was such. A he was such an iconic figure of the time. People right. forget he's basically one of the biggest stars, if not the biggest star in the NFL. Right, like the biggest. He now, was the biggest star. Yeah, now in the it's NFL. not. Now it's not what it is today. Of course, all right. Major League Baseball was probably the biggest biggest sport in boxing, and he was there for Jack. sports. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but he, I mean, he was kind of the face of of the NFL uh, for some years there. And yeah, him retiring early. I mean, it was considered at the time to be a really controversial move. I mean, he mm-hmm. was like 30 years old, right? Yeah. When he decided to retire and leave the game, and uh, he Barry Sanders' dad told him that Bar- told Barry he wasn't as good as Jim Brown. Like that's his fa- his dad's favorite running back mm-hmm. was Jim Brown. So Barry Sanders was up against that yeah. while he was growing up, Pretty and as great as it. he was, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like it's amazing to me when you think about Jim Brown's career, short period of time, how little. Of just think if he would have stayed in the NFL a little bit longer, what his records would look like. Yeah, I believe he, he's got under thirteen thousand total rushing yards. Yeah. So, and of course, he accomplished a lot. I mean, he's first team All Pro, I believe, like eight different times, oh, yeah. something like that. So he got well, MVP, MVP, MVP three times. So yeah, he accomplished a lot during that time. But if you go look at the overall, uh, his overall rushing uh, numbers because he retired so early, um, they're not as prolific now in retrospect when guys are playing, you know, uh, twelve years or whatever. Right. You know, long, much longer time than he did. Uh, but it is interesting that. People still to this day discuss Jim Brown among right. the goats, like they like yep. on, of, of running backs. Period. Like Jim Brown's up there with Barry Sanders and all the you know the great running backs. You're talking about Earl Campbell. Yeah. Earl Campbell's yep. in that conversation for a lot of people too. Um, but he's still to this day considered to be one of those goats. And man, we're talking about a guy that retired in 1966. Yeah. Right. Generations don't they never saw him. They, they had never their, saw they had him. Their dads brag about Jim Brown, so that's what they know about Jim Brown. Yeah, no. and I mean he's the type of guy that uh, there's a story of him uh, trying to thinking about getting into boxing after he retired from football. I remember that. And he basically he was friends with Muhammad Ali, so like let's go get in the ring and see how you know see how you do. <laughs> and he fought Muhammad Ali for a little bit. I was like, yeah, you know what? I don't think boxing's for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that didn't take long. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, he's obviously – Muhammad a, Ali who retired a lot of people from boxing. Yeah. <laughs> Damn right about that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, whether you're talking about his legacy, lacrosse or football or as an actor, he's a sports analyst Commentator too. on the Commentator, first UFC. Yeah. Sports, sports analyst as well. Um, yeah, I mean, we can, we can attack it from a lot of different angles or approach it, I should say, from a lot of different angles, uh, but either way, uh, you're talking about uh, an iconic figure, and uh, man, 
we we really don't have enough time no. <laughs> to talk about the the greatness of Jim Brown and everything he meant to the uh, sports community, but also uh, like even Patrick mentioned too, man, as a civil rights activist uh, to the African American community. Mm-hmm. Um, hell, even Hollywood, there is a Jim Brown footprint in Hollywood, and uh, there's no doubt that he'll be celebrated over this weekend. We'll have a lot. I'll have some more Jim Brown nuggets, I guarantee you, on Monday because a ton of them are going to be coming out over the weekend. Stories, uh, great tidbits about Jim Brown. So we'll have some more and I'll have, uh, celebration of the figure. Eric, Lifetime Longhorn Eric Metcalf also. Oh, we'll nice. get a chance to talk to him about Jim Brown. I'm because sure him being yeah. in Cleveland as long as he was and – him still working for the Cleveland Browns. I'm sure he's got some Jim Brown stories. Oh, I'm sure he's met Jim Brown a few <clears throat> times. Yep. Um, okay, so there you go. Some Jim uh, Brown uh, discussion and uh, Jim Brown passing away at the age of 87. So RIP to the legend. All right, let's get to some NBA discussion here, gentlemen. And the win last night for the Nuggets to take a 2-0 series lead against the Lakers. And really, it comes down to Jamal Murray in that fourth quarter. Uh, he would not be denied. He had... 37 total points, but 23 of those came in the fourth quarter. And uh, hell, the Lakers only scored 24 points. He damn near outscored the Lakers by himself in the fourth quarter. Uh, that, by the way, is his fourth 20-plus point fourth quarter in the playoffs, um, giving him the record. Hell, Michael Jordan only has two of them. <laughs> so it ain't something that's easy to do. Uh, Jamal Murray, man, uh, once again showing that the the disrespect <laughs> uh Jamal Murray and people um really not recognizing uh, his talent it it's something that he's on a mission uh to try to rectify and he did yeah. it in the bubble a couple of years ago at those 250 plus point games in the bubble and this year's playoffs he's doing the same thing once again showing everyone that he deserves to be considered to be an all-star which I don't think he's ever made an all-star appearance. Which is kind of shocking to me, but he also has dealt with a lot of injuries throughout his career. He hadn't been able to finish a full game or a full season. (laughs) So I could kind of see that where where would be able to do that. But goodness gracious, man, this dude has been playing like a man possessed, and, and you can't ask for anything more than that. Yeah, his fourth quarter, you go look at it, he... He scored the final 12 points of the game for Denver. That is the second most consecutive point scored for a team to end a game in the uh, conference finals or the NBA finals in a win in over the last 25 years. Um, (laughs) And in addition to uh, what he did, he actually started really slow. Yep. He missed 12 of his first 17 shots and only had 14 points going into the fourth quarter. But in that fourth quarter, Man, he really did show uh, the uh, the Lakers that he's someone that they're gonna have to they're gonna have to find a they're gonna have to find a, a formula to stop, uh, no doubt about it. Because nobody on the Lakers team, and this is the best defense in the playoffs, by the way, guys. Mm-hmm. He didn't just lighten up a Lakers team that doesn't have the capacity to stop him. This is the best defense in the playoffs, and Jamal Murray made him look silly. Made did him look he silly. ever yeah. knocking down free throws too, being clutch at the end of the game, knowing that they're going to come and foul you, and you being able to to stay focused and be tough enough, even though you could tell that they were all gassed last night. Every single one of them at the end of the game, they were um, they were having their hands on their knees, bending over, still being able to get there. And the other part of it is too. Knocking down them three pointers, mm-hmm. taking those that pick and roll and that pick and pop of what whatever it was that two man game. 
that they were running and then being able to be that effective. That's how Joker getting all them uh, assists. He's just passing the ball out, and he's knocking down shots. So those are some big, big moments. And, again, this is a team that hadn't played well. He's been out. Mm-hmm. He missed last two seasons. Joker's been doing it by himself. And now all of a sudden you get that other piece, that Bonnie and Clyde type of player with you that is stepping up in the moment. Now the biggest moment is going to be can you go on the road and steal a game there? Lakers are undefeated um, at, at home. So yep. it's uh, tough to beat the Lakers there. And Lakers, the Lakers will be playing with a ton of urgency yep. uh, because they cannot afford to lose game three. And, you know, LeBron, I think LeBron is still playing at a high level. We, we are so spoiled when it comes to our uh, critiques of LeBron. Still almost had a triple-double, had 22, 10 assists, 9 rebounds, 2 blocks, and 4 steals. But I will admit, this is one of the first games where LeBron – in stages at times looked old. Yeah. He just looked he old. Did. He looked very and, old. He's he's still one of the best players on the planet, but when he missed those layups, mm-hmm. those are old man moments. Mm-hmm. When he missed those three he had three missed layups in Underneath the game. Underneath the basket. Yeah. Had a breakaway dunk that he just got got confused on and then just couldn't figure it out. I'm not saying that this means LeBron's over. I picked the Lakers. Hopefully Lakers can get it together right now. It looks like uh they got a, a long road to hoe. But it reminded me of that remember that Tom Brady moment where he forgot it was third down? Yes. Remember that moment? Everyone was like, Ooh. He, he forgot it was fourth down. He forgot it was fourth down. He forgot it was fourth down. He basically down. thought he had an extra down. Yeah, he thought he had an extra down. Yeah, he thought he had an extra down. Yeah. Um, and it just it was a it's a moment where man, he just, just looked old. <laughs> yeah. it, just, it just looked like just he was that old. Moment. Just looked like the game had passed him by. He still ended up winning the Super Bowl, I believe, that year. So I'm not saying it's over, but it's just one of those moments where you no, know, it LeBron looked like he was was he 38 years old? Mm-hmm. He, he looked, looked like every he bit of 38 out. in that game trying to elevate. For some of those layups where he got blocked by the rim one time. Oh my goodness. And, <laughs> and uh, just flat out missed it another time. And then, of course, we know how the runaway dunk. Uh, he just couldn't figure it out. So you wasted a Rui Hachimura game where, man, he was fantastic. He was 8 yeah. of 10 and had 21 points. Wasted another great Austin Reeves game where he was hot from outside and he had mm-hmm. 22 points. When Austin Reeves gives you 22 and Hachimura gives you 21, you should win that game. You should win that game. You, have you got to LeBron win that and AD, but when LeBron and AD combine for you know less than forty or around forty and less, yeah. then they got you won't have trouble. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we've seen that this is basically this series has been the 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 people around the stars have been have been you know good enough. Aaron Gordon's played good enough defense. We've seen Michael Porter Jr. hit some shots. Uh, Bruce Brown came in and played some good minutes for him. Like, the guys around the Stars have played pretty well, but they're evening each other out. And so it comes down to the Stars. And in the fourth quarter, Jamal Murray has been the star of the fourth quarter because Jokic even looks tired. Mm-hmm. They all look tired in the fourth quarter, and Jamal Murray has stepped up in that place. And if you're LeBron James, you can't let it be LeBron. while Anthony Davis and Jokic are are equaling out, and and then it's me and Jamal Murray, and I, we're losing because everything else is even. Mm-hmm. And I need to be better than Jamal Murray, and I'm not in the fourth quarter. That that's true. And AD, he he didn't pull his weight uh, either uh, in game two. They need basically they need more no. from AD and LeBron combined, as Patrick mentioned. You see, if the if the supporting cast is going to cancel each other out, then you guys, the two superstars for the Lakers, you have to be 
elite. Yes. Um, AD and LeBron, they're two and six now, or the Lakers, I should say, are two and six when AD and LeBron combine for 40 points or less in the playoffs. Yeah. So they got to be. They got to be extraordinary. Exactly. They got to be extraordinary. They got to make sure that they get out there and do what they're supposed to do. And when you got LeBron like that, and again, you talked about it just a second ago, Rod, he, he's looking 38 years old. He's still almost giving you a triple-double. He's doing certain things. Yeah. But the leadership last night seemed to fail. I don't know if he was tired. I don't know if he was you know, looking at this game like, man, I can't believe we're even in this thing because we hadn't played great. But especially because he and AD weren't doing anything, weren't giving that much to him. But there was times last night where I was like, why are you not calling for the ball? Why are you the one that's not getting? There was one time when Austin Reeves was dribbling the ball up the court, and it was a close ball game. I think they were down by four. Mm -hmm. And Austin Reeves, he dribbled the ball away from LeBron, and LeBron was in front of him on the right side. Austin Reeves just kept dribbling the ball, and LeBron kept calling for it, but Austin Reeves didn't give it to him. And I'm like, that's where LeBron needs to go over there and tell him, give me the ball and I'll be the playmaker. I'll get it back to you because that's what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He was kicking it to the other guys so they can shoot. But when LeBron is in front of you and you don't pass it to him and everybody wants to talk about the Michael Jordan comparison, I guarantee you Mike would have went over there and would almost choked him talking <laughs> about why you didn't give me the ball, bro. <laughs> like I'm here on the wing by myself. Give me the ball. And maybe Austin Reeves was like, your jumper is broke right now, shawty. That, I got to that, that, that could easily be the case because LeBron right now, uh, one of 20 on three-point shots in the fourth quarter uh, in these playoffs. Yeah. He has missed 19 straight three-pointers in the fourth quarter uh, dating back to game two of the first round of this year, gentlemen. Yeah. That's that not the him. Longest streak by any player in the last twenty five years in the playoffs. Yeah, he right now his three point shot at late in the game. Late like, in the he's game, thirty eight years old. Late in the game, he does not have the legs to at hoist all. it up there. It is uh, so. It is a brick <laughs> in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and I, I'm with you. He needs to get to the rim, and then we saw even at the rim at times he's having trouble finishing at the rim. That rim is tough. Sometimes. So maybe it's altitude. Exactly. Maybe it's altitude. <laughs> Thirty eight plus the altitude and playing against a really good team. All three of those things. Yeah. But if LeBron James doesn't pick it up, they're not going to win this series. Yeah. They got no and, shot. And I mean, we'll say altitude. Also, throw in when you're a guy like LeBron James, he has the best equipment, the best everything in LA. To for best, like he has his recovery, own regimen for recovery yeah. and everything in LA. And when you're on the road in a series, you just don't have all that stuff on the road. So you get access to some stuff and you can, but your recovery mode is a little different when you're playing mm-hmm. games with only a day off in between. You like to go, okay, as soon as I get done with the game, I'm here. And then I'm writing this yeah. and I'm right, okay, we're yeah. doing this and I get this amount of sleep and I go. You don't quite have that same luxury when you're on the road. So I think there's something that that plays into it as well of when you get this far in where you're like, I need all the help I can get to be the, I need my Iron Man suit if I'm going to be 38-year-old LeBron James trying to pretend I'm 28-year-old. I need every piece of science that there is to play like I'm 28 again. And when you're in Denver, you don't have any of that. That's a great point, yeah. actually. And you know LeBron's got the best of the best at his house. Yeah, got he, a little sign. He got. He basically has that iron that uh, Iron Man lab. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's when he goes basement. home today. And so we may see a different LeBron James in Game Three, where he has a little bit more pep in his step in the fourth quarter, just solely on the fact that he's got his stuff there. 
Yeah, and he can get back a little bit better. They, you know what? They that's a great theory, uh, and they better hope you're right about that because yeah. they're not. <laughs> Hell, man. And, and, hey, and, and invite, invite Anthony Davis over. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> we're going to be talking about a gentleman sweep if they don't. Because yeah. uh, I, 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 I really could see that if the Lakers, if LeBron and AD can't seem to get their ish together um, and we don't get the yeah. best version of both AD and LeBron for the rest of the series, by the way. Lakers definitely. Oh, they got yeah, they got their backs against the wall. But if we don't get it, even for the next two a game or two, look, I'm telling you, gentlemen, sweet, a gentleman sweep sweet. can yeah, happen. Yeah. And I'll tell you another thing: if I'm Darvin Ham and I'm trying to get these guys into it, I need to create some conflict in this this series. Because with the Warriors, there's natural conflict. There's natural. They're trash talking. All right, we can hate them. But you see in this series, these teams like each other. They're just playing basketball. They're helping each other up off the court. They don't seem to have animosity towards each other. No. And none of these guys are, you know, known to be the biggest trash talkers or anything else. So it makes sense that there's not that animosity in the game. You may have to make that animosity so that you have an extra edge in that fourth quarter of anger and hatred. Because it seems to me the only guy everybody hates is all of these refs. They're taking out all their frustration on the refs and not the other team. And like, man, hate the other team. That's you a, need it. That's a good point, though, about that, because he had it, obviously, naturally in the Warriors series, because it's natural and that friction. And then you have the Dylan Brooks thing yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> in the first series. What do you call right. emotional currency? Yeah, it, it, right. It, it worked out But good that's why Denver's not saying anything, because they oh, saw they what happened. <laughs> they saw how it went down. Ding, They're ding, like, ding. nah, man, just pick them up. Just Say what's up. <laughs> Let's get past them and go ahead and talk trash to the next group. Damn right. I'm not yeah. finna go. I'm not finna wake him up and tug on that cape. Yeah, don't poke hey, the if bear. I'm, if yeah. I'm Darvin Ham, I'm calling up people. Uh, this is Jokic and <laughs> LeBron's a jerk face. <laughs> a jerk face. Just send Tristan out there and have him elbow somebody. Get yeah. a fight going. That's all hey, you need to have do. Tristan sleep with some of their wives. You know we will. <laughs> <laughs> that he can do. Tristan's like that I can do, coach. Hey, I got you. I got you. I, got you. Uh, I was already working on it anyway. <laughs> all right, we'll come right back. We got Roger throughout the day. Uh, we'll talk uh, little Cowboys on the other side right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful down the horn. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. No, oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Uh, I want to get into, I want to talk some Cowboys here, but we might not have a ton of time to get into it, to get deep into that topic. So we can, uh, I'll reference this, the story that I wanted to get to. Um, but I got sidetracked um, because we are talking a lot about Jim Brown. Jim Brown passed away uh, today. Uh, the great Jim Brown yep. at the age of 87. And my man Casey Stuttered. Uh, lifetime Longhorn Casey Stuttered. He uh, sent us a text and, and he referenced a quote um, from Jim Brown about Earl Campbell. And I remember the quote. So I started <clears throat> going down a rabbit hole 
trying to find the published quote. So I did find it over at Fox Sports. So it's them. I'll give them credit. And it was just it was the uh, the quote that my man Casey referenced in regards to Jim Brown talking about Earl Campbell. And first, actually, it took me to a quote from Earl Campbell talking about Jim Brown. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you the Earl Campbell quote talking about Jim Brown first, and then we can go to the uh, Jim Brown quote talking about Earl Campbell. But uh, Earl Campbell is famous for saying, after watching films of Jim Brown, I noticed that he never ran out of bounds. He always ran north and south, and that's what I turned my style into. I was a north and south runner. If Smart. that quote is real, then Earl Campbell patterned his game after Jim Brown. Love it. And I've, I, I, old people have told me that before. Like, oh, no. So I was like, I've never seen anybody play the game like Earl Campbell because he essentially used his body as a weapon. <laughs> and he would, right? And he would punish hurting defenders. People. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say hurting people. Oh, man. He just, I mean, he was putting guys really just in, in, on, in the ground, like literally putting them in the ground sometimes. <laughs> um, but the way that he would run them over. And like I said, based on that quote, he patterned his style after uh, the great Jim Brown. And here's another quote from Earl Campbell. He said, that's what everybody talked about, wanting to be a running back like Jim Brown. After studying Mm -hmm. that, I fell into that. After having a chance to meet Jim, he always says this. Earl Campbell said, or this is what Jim told him. I'm first, Earl second. All them other running backs can get whatever position they want to get in. (laughs) He letting you know off the rip. <clears throat> yeah. I found that quote. I found one from the Associated Press, and I found it again at Fox Sports. And when Jim Brown was asked to rank all-time great running backs, he said, it's me first, Earl second, and everybody else get in line. Mm-hmm. Now, he might have been a big Earl Campbell fan because Earl Campbell literally is telling everybody, hey, I patted my game to Jim Brown, and Jim Brown's the greatest, and I want to be like Jim Brown. That's why I ran the There's way I did. It's a process. But still – the late great Jim Brown is on record and he's multiple times here in multiple quotes saying, uh, I'm the goat, I'm the goat, I'm the best all time, and then it's Earl Campbell. And if I had to go off Jim Brown's quote, because this is Jim Brown's day, so we'll let Jim Brown be right. We won't debate Jim Brown's words today. I'd put Barry Sanders third then. If you okay. Don't know, right? Okay. Because I mean, I think Barry Sanders is one of the my freakish. Favorite. He's one yeah, of the I, freakish. Yeah. Barry Sanders is my backs. is my goat running back. He's my Jim Brown for like all the old guys. He is my version of that. And I because yeah. Earl Campbell, I didn't get to watch Earl Campbell run mm-hmm. as much as I wanted to. I was a lovely blue guy, but I was a kid. I was born in 1980. You know what right, I mean? So right. I can I can totally appreciate the greatness of Earl Campbell. I've seen more film on Earl Campbell than I've ever seen on Jim Brown. I saw him I've in watched, the prime when he was getting it in, yeah. and he was a <clears> menace. To society. Earl Campbell, that is. Well, they all are. Yeah. <laughs> all the guys yeah. we're talking about, yeah. uh, they are missed. But there you go. Uh, so thanks to my man, Kate. Lifetime long and Casey Stutter. I almost forgot all about that quote until he reminded me of it. But, yeah, Jim Brown, you asked him to rank his his goats uh, of, of the running back position. It's just him, Earl, and that's it. There ain't nobody else. He's at the rest of them. Hey, they yeah, don't even matter yeah, to him. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> there it is. What? What you say? Uh, no. That is fantastic. That is a great It's just quote. us goats up here it's talking. Just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, it's just us goats up, up here. here. You know, there's only two of us. Wow. Yeah, that's impressive. That is impressive. That is impressive. Thank you, Casey, for reminding us about that quote. Uh, okay, uh, the Cowboys uh, story that I want to get into just briefly since uh, we got just a little bit of time. I wanted to get into the undrafted free agents. I talked about this a uh, little bit 
mm, last week, actually, um, about the Cowboys and how good they are at undrafted free agency. There was a ranking, uh, Harge, most recently by Thor Nystrom. He works for NBC Sports Edge, I believe, and he actually ranked all of the undrafted free agent classes this season, and he had the Cowboys, uh, with, in terms of their undrafted free agency class, he had them third, uh, which means... The last five years, the Cowboys undrafted free agency class has been ranked first, second, first, ninth, and third. They're really good at acquiring mm-hmm. undrafted free agents. And this season, I think two of the guys that – or I think three of the guys that I think are actually going to make the team as undrafted free agents. Now, maybe they'll put them on the practice squad because they expanded the practice squad. So maybe they'll start on the practice squad. Um, but I think they got a chance to actually make the the opening day roster – uh, first, and this is my my favorite of all of the undrafted free agents, Isaiah Land. Guess where he went? Fam, you. Yeah, buddy. And, and, and how about this? Dan Quinn mm-hmm. says he saw Isaiah Land uh, for the first time watching. Who Harsh told me about this guy when uh, I swear it was during the season mm-hmm. two years ago, and he was like, "Watch Marquise Bell." Mm-hmm. You kept saying, "Like, watch him, dog." I'm telling you, and that's before the Cowboys picked him up as yeah. an undrafted free agent. It was, and he made the squad. He made the squad, and you were like, "Nah, dog, he can play. He's gonna he gonna play on Sundays." And this one right here that you were about to mention, so you saw him too. Uh, he was on the squad. He okay. was lead, he was yeah. leading the conference. He was at near the top ten in sacks. No, he 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 led the country in yes. sacks actually yes. in, in in that year, twenty twenty one. He had nineteen sacks, 25 and a half tackles for loss, three pass deflections, three forced fumbles in 12 games. He was a monster. Interviewed him. Interviewed him really? when, he was, when he was there, Give too. me a little bit about oh, him. Oh, man, he's he's a great kid. He was one of those guys that, you know, he was playing at FAMU, yeah. so a lot of people didn't know his name. He wasn't getting a lot of publicity mm-hmm. unless you're really a college football nut yeah. where you're studying stacks and you're seeing what's going on, quarterback pressures. Bro. Oh, he was an absolute freak. It was him and Marquise Bell on the defense that were the two players that I was featuring. Uh, well, you, you, you know you, when you do well, your you, open well, player to watch? Well, the Cowboys, you should it. go scout for the Cowboys. I'm hard. working on it for the undrafted ones. You should go scout for the Cowboys. Yes. I will give you a lot of pride. You talk about Marquise Bell during the season when yes. nobody was talking about you. You're like, None. nah, man, this dude's the real Coming deal. Coming downhill at the safety position. And the Cowboys agree with you, and they like yeah. him. They, they won the tournament to that, that kind of J-Run curse starter yes. kit kind of thing. Uh, but, yeah, this young man, he's, he's light and he's a little slender. Yep. But he is a natural pass rusher. Uh, those 19 sacks, 25 and a half tackles for loss, led the country that year. Won F- FCS Defensive Player of the Year. How about this? Didn't play football from ages 11 to 16. Right. Didn't play football from ages 11 to 16. Somebody grabbed him and said, man, you too good. You too yeah. big. Basically, Come on. he started playing his junior year again. He started playing his mm-hmm. junior year in high school. He started playing football again. And from there on, just that's why he ended up honestly at FAMU. Not, nothing yep. against FAMU. But if he'd have played football the from entire time. sophomore or freshman year. He'd, he'd have been have, an SEC kid. He'd have, yeah, exactly. He would have been an SEC kid. He, he was actually going to transfer. Mm-hmm. And then he said he didn't like the transfer from the process. So he came back to FAMU. And then got, got some, I don't know, got some. Suspended, I think, for like a, he was a on Texas's radar. He should have been. Texas was talking about him at one point. They needed edge help. Yes. It made sense. That's when they were looking at him. Yep. Uh, so I, I love him. He's born, he's born in Buffalo, but played high school football in Georgia. So yeah. he's played at a high – so I, I say he's one of the ones I think is going to end up making the squad uh, or at least practice squad if he doesn't make that. Uh, Earl Bostic, the Kansas tackle. He was a left tackle at Kansas. 
isn't he only allowed one sack in 2022. Mm-hmm. So he he actually is Lined pretty good up. at pass blocking, and they exactly. Uh, and the Cowboys have been really good at finding linemen as undrafted free agents. Where you're talking about was it Terrence Steele? Yes, sir. Uh, one for them. Texas and, uh, Tech. He's from yes, Texas and that's Tech. And not uh, um, the one that had the the charge, the murder charge that. It, was, it wasn't a murder trial. Lyle Collins. Allegations of murder. Lyle girlfriend. Collins. Lyle yes. Collins. Yes, thank yeah. you very much. Um, he was an undrafted free agent. Well, he was Shouldn't supposed to have be. been. Right, I was about to Shouldn't say. Shouldn't have been. That was a steal. Yes, and I apologize. <laughs> it was not charges. He, they just said him a person of interest uh, because yeah. one of his exes had gotten murdered or something. But either way, mm-hmm. dropped in the draft as a result of that, and the Cowboys ended up being the beneficiary. Also, another player, Hunter Luepke. He's yeah. a fullback. Cowboys want to run the ball. They want to run the dang ball. He's a fullback, man. He's an athletic fullback. He was a four-sport star in high school, uh, but as a North Dakota State fullback, he was really, really uh, effective. And not only as a blocker, but as a receiver out of the backfield. I know you don't see a lot of fullbacks, but a lot of people said he should have been drafted in the seventh round. Mm -hmm. And he ended up falling out of the draft, mostly because of his position, uh, falling out of uh, really favor these days uh, in a pass-happy NFL. Um, but so, you can get picked up as an undrafted, yes. which means that you better learn how to do special teams as well. And I'm sure he's great at that, too. Yeah, 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 no doubt. So those are the three I think have the best chance to actually make the squad as undrafted free agents yeah. for the Cowboys. But, Isaiah is definitely somebody that you're uh, going to like because he's freakish. He's so long coming off the edge, that, yeah. and he's got great bend. He's got great bend coming yeah. off the edge. That's what I'm he's, a, he's a natural pass rusher yeah. because he's not big. Not at he's all. He's not a thick guy. And I think the, the Cowboys are going to try to put a lot of weight on him. Yep. And, I mean, in three or four, like, I don't know, two or three years, I, honestly, he might end up being a project that pays huge dividends for the Dallas Cowboys. No doubt. No. All right, we come back. We'll get into a little more off the record on the side right here on Ball Don't Lie. Wonderful night, Horn. Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. That's when my man Patrick plays songs from uh, very talented human beings, uh, bands, artists, musicians, who you have a chance to catch live right here in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is Van Wilkes, and he was playing Saturday at Saxon Pub. Oh, I definitely know what that is. Uh, all right, there you go. Check it out at hornfm.com if you missed any part of the or is any of the suggestions from 512 Friday, I should say. Uh, you can uh, go check that out at hornfm.com. 512-337-3776. That is the number to the uh, Specs text line. You also can hit us up via Twitter. Uh, Harge is at Hardball Harge in the Twitterverse. I am at Rod Babers in the Twitterverse. Uh, and my man Patrick Davis at It's Patrick Davis in the Twitterverse. Um, all right. And we don't have a ton of time here, but I uh, we, we went over this yesterday. How Texas actually, uh, sorry, Texas, Austin. Um, it dropped in the rankings of the new U.S. News, World, and Report. Heck yeah. Uh, they did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they did like uh, basically the most, uh, the basically the most popular cities in America are uh, fast, uh, basically the cities where people consider to be uh, the best cities in America to live, that kind of thing. And, and they dropped down, I believe, to 40 in the U.S. News and World Report rankings. And they hadn't dropped out of the top 14 in the previous, I believe it was, six years. Um, this also is related. Uh, Texas now home to four of the nation's largest cities because the uh, basically the information from the census came out. 
Mm-hmm. And it says Austin uh, basically joining Houston, San Antonio, and Dallas, top 10 uh, populous cities in the state of Texas. Um, Georgetown, suburb of North Austin. Wasn't that like number 14 or something? Once again, the fastest pace of growth in the country. Damn. With a rate of four. Don't you live near there? Uh, yeah, my son graduated <laughs> from Georgetown High School. <laughs> with a well, it was very different back then. Yeah, it was. Uh, with a rate of fourteen point four percent of growth, surpassing its ten percent rate of growth from twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one. So that is the lar- the fastest growing uh, community in the country. Goodness gracious! So there you go. Mm, uh, the mm, Bureau mm. estimates Georgetown's population reached 86,507 after an increase of 10,887 in 2022. Uh, the booming city gained more new residents than Dallas. Interesting. Damn. That is. Y'all when you really get more like re- Georgetown, yeah. don't y'all? It, I mean, it's, it's a good place to live. They're building I all kinds of great things out there, Rod. Uh, well, Kyle, also south of Austin, south instead of north, and Leander to the northwest, ranked third and fourth. Among fastest growing cities mm-hmm. <laughs> with populations yep. of 50,000 or more. So you basically got, so of the 10. Surrounding areas. Yeah, so of the 10 fastest growing cities in the country, Texas took four of them. Wow. And Austin. This area. This area took, took, took all four of them. This area took like three of them. Yeah. Uh, Little Elm in Dallas-Fort Worth uh, oh. region uh, was ranked fifth. Played basketball. We had a basketball tournament last weekend. We played against Little Elm. Good athletes coming from there. We talked about it. Two players at the University of Texas. Your homeboy now, Chet Brooks, is from mm-hmm. Little Elm. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. it's growing. Yeah, so just a little heads up there. Yeah, it, it may have dropped down on the, I guess, the favorability rankings or whatever, mm-hmm. but, uh, man, people are still moving to Austin, Texas, Central Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas, Wait, baby. To Texas, period, though. Yeah. I mean, it's, just, it's really a Texas thing more so than just an Austin, Texas thing. People are moving to the great state of Texas. Mm. Um, so uh, whatever I like you, it. Yeah, whatever you think about Austin, people around the country, they love it. No All doubt. right, we come back. We'll wrap it up, put it in the oven. We've got one more segment left. Uh, then we'll let you know what's on tap. Give you a preview for Texas baseball facing West Virginia tonight. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie. I want to put it on the horn. The Horn. It is 512 Friday. That's my man Patrick uh, plays jams from local bands and artists. Very talented human beings that you have a chance to catch live right here in the ATX, the live music capital of the world. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is Rochelle and the Sidewinders. They are playing Saturday at Skylark Lounge. Wow. There you go. All right. If you miss any of the 512 suggestions, go to hornfm.com, and uh, you can sound really cool in front of all your friends. Like, you actually know where all these talented bands hey, are we performing. need to go hit this spot real quick. Exactly. We're going to check out this band all right here. like, man, we got to go call all so-and-so because they <laughs> always know where the party is. Exactly. Uh, that's all you get from my man Patrick hooking it up on a 512 Friday. All right. Uh, let's get – we got a little time here. Um, so, I want to get your thoughts on the Texas-West Virginia matchup, hard before we get out of here, do a little mini uh, sneak peek, little preview but we're giving you up to texas baseball coming up here actually in about seven eight minutes or so uh but before uh we get into that uh 
do want to uh, remind everybody that we got a remote coming up next week. That's right. You probably heard us talking about it. That's right. Uh, We're excited about it. We're going to be at Alamo Draft House. That's right. Right? We're South Lamar. South Lamar. South Lamar location. Um, and we're going out there because we're going to be uh, actually courtesy of our good friends, the Austin Gamblers. That's right. Uh, we're going to be out there uh, supporting a new docu-series that is going to be premier, pre, pre, premiering, I should say, on Amazon. Um, and that's going to be later on this month. I believe it's uh, May 25th. No, May 30th. May, May 30th, 30th. Thank you. May 30th. Uh, May 30th is the docuseries. Right. But they're going to have a special uh, viewing there at Alamo Draft House. It'll be May 23rd, the South Lamar location. We're going to be out there doing the show live. So I want to remind everybody we're going to be doing a remote. So people always say, hey, man, you guys don't get out enough. We'll be out uh, amongst the people. May 23rd, uh, South Lamar, Alamo Draft House. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting time. And, <laughs> you know, we you like to watch a lot of reality TV. This is This is a different level of reality because yes. these dudes – are riding bulls. They're getting mm-hmm. booked up off them bulls all day. It's easily, it, I think, it's the most dangerous sport out there. If, it, yes. if it's not, then it's in the conversation for the most dangerous it's sport out there. definitely in the conversation. Uh, so we're really excited. It'll be Tuesday. It'll be May 23rd at that South Lamar Alamo Drive House. It's an eight-episode uh, docu-series. That's right. Uh, that actually, it, it actually, na- I think it's actually about all the different teams mm-hmm. in the uh, PBR circuit. They got their, like, this team-based competition for the pro uh, bull riding, uh, for pro bull riders, I should say. Um, and this this docu-series is basically going to document everything, but the Austin Gamblers are a big part of it, um, and that's why we're going to celebrate with them at their uh, May 23rd kind of premiere at the Alamo Draft House. Uh, but the actual docu-series will premiere on Amazon, and it'll be May 30th. Yep. Uh, and if you can, you want to see the Austin Gamblers for yourself live in action, you can do that. They'll be at the Moody Moody Center, uh, August twenty fifth through the twenty seventh. Yep. And you got plenty of time to tickets for that. So just letting everybody know, we'll be out amongst people May twenty third. That is a Tuesday. South Lamar uh, Alamo Draft House uh, supporting the Austin Gamblers. All right, uh, let's get to a little sneak peek here, Harge, about the Texas West Virginia game, game two tonight. Uh, and uh, the Longhorns definitely showed up in game one, twelve to two win over. West Virginia, who's sixth ranked West Virginia, leading the Big 12 West Virginia. Uh, but the story is Lucas Gordon with a fantastic outing. Uh, seven shutout innings, allowed just four hits, one walk, had eight uh, strikeouts. And then on the other side of that, Porter Brown, who, man, the guy, I don't know if he speaks softly, but he definitely carries a big stick because he had three homers in that game. And, uh, man, it had a really iconic, legendary performance. I believe he tied the single game record for home runs yep. on the 40 acres. Uh, what are your thoughts about game two for this team? Well, I think it's going to be another important do-what-you're-supposed-to-do type of game. And you talked about uh, Porter Brown talking softly. He does talk does softly. Does he really speak yeah, softly? I actually got a chance carries to interview a big him, stick, then. But he definitely carries <laughs> a big stick because I've seen him hit balls a long way. Shout-out to my man Dylan Campbell. Went three for four last night with a home run. He got a bunt base hit to extend his hitting streak to 31 consecutive games, which is – the second longest in the Big 12 history. My biggest thing, my biggest takeaway tonight is I want to see what LeBaron Johnson can do. I want LeBaron Johnson to go out there and throw strikes. It doesn't matter what their pitcher does because I think our offense is going to be right there. But can can we get another great performance from LeBaron Johnson? He's been very consistent throughout the year. Every opportunity he's had, he's made the most of it. Mm-hmm. I want to see a performance like we saw against LSU when he was dealing and his split finger was working. He was able to locate his fastball and setting people up. So I'm excited 
to see what he's able to do tonight. Uh, yeah, you're right about I mean, the offense seems to be clicking. They had 12 hits in game one and yep. obviously 12 runs. Second most runs allowed by West Virginia this season. Now, they did put their freshman on the mound, but as you pointed out, his freshman can deal. Yes, uh, Carson Estridge uh, was his name. Yep. I mean, he's been uh, pretty uh, pretty solid, pretty consistent all season long. Um, but Texas playing some really good baseball right now. And you talked about how, man, a lot of these guys now in the lineup are finding their hitting groove. They got yep. their rhythm. I mean, yeah. how many guys are batting over three – but 320 at this point. Damn near everybody that, in the starting right. lineup. Like, Damn near like, everybody in the starting yeah, lineup. Like and, five, they're, they're put, and the biggest thing that I've always talked about, and I, and I laugh at Craig, and Craig laughs at me. I'm like, if they can hit the ball the opposite way, that means they're staying on the ball. Texas has been doing just that. They've been moving the baseball. They've been coming up in situations. Yesterday they had one early in the game. They should have had a bigger inning, but they ended up getting some runs. And then the next inning they come back out there, Porter Brown gets back up, mm-hmm. drives the ball all over the place, and you start looking at it. I love me some Garrett Gilmet as well. You look at what Peyton Powell has been able to do. This has been a from top to bottom lineup. Jared Thomas, I didn't even give him enough love. Yeah. This dude has been in fuego. Hmm. He's on fire, <laughs> as we were talking about yesterday with NBA Jam. Uh, no, man, and they got to keep that. Yes. got to keep that same energy That's uh, right. in game two. Uh, as Coach that P- big B energy now. Yeah, big Matt, baby. <laughs> uh, as Coach Pierce said, had to take care of business with the first one, um, but they got to take care of business uh, with the rest of these. If they do get the sweep, they get a little bit of help. From mm-hmm. Oklahoma, right? Oklahoma's yep, got to beat Oklahoma State at, at least, least one time. Yes, right. Texas can get a share of that Big 12 title, and we're all hoping they can get it done. What's on tap for you this weekend, brother? Baseball, basketball, and a lot of fun. Patrick, what's on tap for you, brother? I'm going to go try and not get beat up by Mark Henry. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. right. Oh, that would be fun. Good uh, luck. Yeah, good luck <laughs> with that. Good luck, Texas baseball. Uh, everybody out there, have a great weekend. Remember, the revolution will not be televised. We're talking about it right here on Ball Don't Lie. We love you guys. We mean that. Take care of yourselves, but more importantly, take care of each other. Peace.